Well, hello, exciting Southeast Baptist Church, Prior Campus. So good to be here, I'll tell you for sure. I love exciting Southeast Baptist Church. Have I told you lately that I love you? Well, darling, I'm telling you now. I do love exciting Southeast Baptist Church. It is so good to be here with you folks. I'm telling you, I I hope y'all will take this in the right spirit. But this may be the most helter-skelter, shuffle back and forth, drive like a madman. I'm going to have to repent before I preach. Deal. I've ever seen. But I'm going to tell you something. I admire you for it. I really do. You got, you got staff members that interchange with each other. You got people that shuffle from campus to campus. And you all make it work so good. And I'm so glad to be here with you. I don't know. I know a lot of you and it's good to see some of you. Hadn't got to be with you for two years uh, partly because of COVID, partly because y'all got rid of me and didn't want me back for a while. Uh, but I am really glad to be here. I, y'all were kind of in betwixt and between staff members, and and I had just retired, and and so I come over and help on Wednesday nights for a little bit, and and even got shuffled over to the Tahlequah campus a time or two. Spent most of my Wednesday nights here. And then a few Sundays for special occasions and Sunday nights here. And uh, I, I have not had to learn to love exciting Southeast. I just love you. Good people. I love how you do church. I love how you sacrifice. I love how you're willing to do whatever it takes. I love how you pay whatever price you have to pay. All for the purpose of propagating the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to this area and seeing people come to know Christ. That's an awesome thing, amen? And I'm looking forward to being with you this week. I'm looking forward rain, sheet, sheet, rain, sleet, or snow in the big tent. Somebody told me, said, oh, you're going to be preaching in a tent, big tent this week. Are you preaching? I said, yeah, and they said, I always knew you as a clown. And so, anyway, we're going to have a great time together. We're going to hopefully see some folks come to know the Lord. We're going to work together to accomplish that task. And uh, going to have a good time as we do so. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, if you would. And I'm going to pick up a few verses there, starting in verse 22, uh, as we look at that together. And I'll tell you what I want to talk to you about this morning. We, we are, we're going to kick off the Celebrate Life Crusade, Celebrate Revival, whichever and whatever we may be calling it tonight in the big tent, going to have us a good old fish fry. I tell you, we may not even need the church service if we have a fish fry. We might have a revival right over the fish fry. And, uh, but isn't that right, Brother Harold? Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I want to take just a few moments this morning more preparatory in nature uh, for the uh, revival that starts tonight in the big tent and our days together through Wednesday night. And I would like to talk to you about how to get the most out of this revival. 
Now, isn't that appropriate and relevant for this morning? With us kicking off the way we're going to kick off uh, tonight. And to do that, I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And let me just say this. Did you know that the word revival or revive is not found in the pages of the New Testament? Actually, revival was an Old Testament term. And it was used in that manner to refer to times in the nation of Israel. And of course the nation of Israel was nation building time on the part of God prepping the way for the birth of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. And so the Lord kept it between the hedges with things like revival. And generally to to, to prep it and make it ready for the coming of Christ. And so generally when revival was referred to or the term was used or the practice was made so, it was built more around the rules of the civic and yes, religious laws of the day. And yes, I said civic. Uh, Most of the Ten Commandments and most of what we have in the Old Testament was for a civil society to exist. And to maintain some element of spirituality and relationship with God, as I said, prepping the way for the Savior. And so that's where we often found that term revival. And why we found it in the Old Testament, it was an act of God appealing to his people to stay on the right course and bring the Savior into the world through this so we don't find revival nor the word revive in the pages of the New Testament. But just because that is so doesn't mean that revival is not a part of the spiritual journey and the Christian life. As a matter of fact, the very principles and touching on the characteristics that occur in the experience of a revival, we find them all through the New Testament. It just doesn't use the word revival. And such is the case in the text that I'm going to read to you here today. And it is mighty important that revival occurs and takes place in our life because it's not so much for building a nation that will provide us a Savior. It is now for a people that are a part of His spiritual nation to demonstrate and be a good example of our Savior. Amen? I like that. I don't know where that come from. It just come up. I didn't say it in the first two services. Uh, But anyway, it's the truth, isn't it? And so... That's what we're trying to do when we get together and have a revival and what we're trying to do this week. And so I want to talk to you this morning in preparation for that, how to get the most out of revival, okay? Now, look at your text, if you would, with me, beginning in verse 22, and read the words of the writer of the book of Hebrews when he says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day. Would you pray with me? Now, Father, would you add your blessing to the reading and the preaching of your word? 
to lift up the blessed name of our Savior and as He is lifted up to draw all men unto Him. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Well, while I was getting ready to go for this and wanted to kind of make this my focus before we head to the big tent tonight, uh, I couldn't help but think of a story that I had seen sometime back uh, about a movie company that had purchased in that town where they were going to make the movie a old gas station that was out of business. They no longer pumped gas, but they needed a gas station for part of the movie, and it was going to become one of the movie sets. And so they they uh, repaired a few things and decorated it up and a little remodel work and had the pumps out there and had it all ready to go. And sure enough, it looked so real, this little movie set, which was a gas station, at one time an old gas station that they had re- remodeled, that people were pulling in to get gas. Well, the movie company had hired a um, security guard And so the security guard was constantly seeing somebody pull in. He'd have to go out there, give them a big spiel that this wasn't a real gas station, that we've purchased this property, we've remodeled it, and we've got it ready and made it uh, a movie set for the movie that we are in town to record. And so he did that time after time. It looked so good. People kept pulling in to get filled up with gas. And so finally one day he decided he'd have a little fun with it. And sure enough, a customer pulled in to get gas... And instead of giving that spiel about it being a movie set, he grabbed the pump off the, uh, the handle off of the pump and he put it into the gas cap to fill the car for that person. And when he had taken enough time for it to appear that he had filled that car with gas, he put the pump handle back in the pump. And he went up to the window and the person said, Thank you, sir. How much do I owe you? And uh, the security guard Tending to be an attendant, said, oh, you don't, you don't owe us anything. It's just free. And so the fella who pulled into the gas station empty literally drove off thrilled to death, but still empty. Well, let me tell you something. When I saw that, that's a parody if I ever saw one or a parable if I've ever heard one of the church, is it not? We have thousands of people all across this country that head out to church on Sunday morning as empty as they can be. They get there and some good preacher just thrills them to death, but they drive off just as empty as what they came in. And it's happening everywhere. May I say to you this morning that we do not schedule revivals for the sake of just having some long protracted meeting. I'm not here for that. If that's what y'all are planning on, let me go. I got fishing to do in Lake Eufaula. We don't schedule revivals for the sake of having long protracted meetings. Oh no, I believe when we schedule revivals and people that come to them, they come because they want to get something out of it. They want the life touch. They want to encounter the Lord. They want an experience that's not natural, but that is supernatural. When I think about that, I think about Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 when he saw his vision of the Lord high and lifted up. We know in that account that Isaiah saw something, felt something, and heard something. He saw God high and lifted up and seated on his throne. 
But that wasn't all he saw. He saw himself. He saw his people and their sins. He felt the seraphim to touch his lips with the tongues and coals of fire from the altar. And then he heard God call him to go and preach to an obstinate people. May I say to you on that day, that experience of worship on the part of Isaiah, it was not a waste of the day for Isaiah, was it? He didn't get bored. He left with more than he brought to that worship experience that day. And as a matter of fact, his encounter with the Lord on that day lingered on his life for many years. That's what we want to happen this week. We want an encounter that won't be over Wednesday night. We want an experience with the Lord in the way of revival that changes us for years to come. So that brings up the question, how can we get more out of this revival? And especially according to the text that I have just shared with you. Well, let me just share from the Bible how I believe we can get more from this revival how we can get more out of this revival. Are you ready? Say, I am. am. Number one, if you want to get more out of a revival, there needs to be a renewed... Now, listen to me. Are you listening? Say, I am. am. There needs to be a renewed closeness to the Father. If you want to get more out of this revival, there needs to be a renewed closeness to the Father. Listen to the text here. Let Let us draw near... With a true heart. In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us draw near with a pure, true conscience. If you want to get more out of a revival, there needs to be a renewed closeness to the Father. You say, why? Well, one reason is because we can. We can be closer to the Father. We have access. Are you a Christian? Raise your hand. Listen, if you're a Christian, we have access to the throne of God. We have a friend in the house of the Lord. He is here with us right now. And we can get close to Him. Matter of fact, you know what James said? James said, draw nigh unto God and He will draw nigh unto you. And so sometimes we just need to come aside from the everyday full routine and activities of life and we need to take a time out, Rob, and give a little attention to our Father and draw near to Him. When we get close to the Father, then we can begin to experience revival. I'm reminded of Moses. You know the story, Moses saw a burning bush and he realized the uniqueness of the sight that he was seeing. The bush was fuel for the fire and yet the bush was not consumed, was it? And so Moses drew aside to see the burning bush and he got off, listen, he got off of the beaten path to see what in the world was going on. In other words, Moses made an effort. Moses took an action. He gave this bush... His undivided attention. And I'm just telling you, if you want to get more out of a revival, you might do well to get off the beaten path 
and give you undivided attention to what the Lord wants to do in this church and in your life and get and have a renewed closeness to the Father, you'll get more out of it. If it's if it's gonna if God's gonna do a work in this church this week, you'll need to draw near to Him to experience. We need to draw near with our presence. We need to draw near with our prayers. We need to draw near with our passion for souls. Did y'all hear me? We need to draw near with our passion for souls. We need to draw near partnering with your pastor and one another. Please hear me. Partnering with one another in a revival effort. And so I think this text says that if we want God to draw near to us, that we must draw near to Him. And frankly, we're fooling ourselves if we think we can have revival without a fresh, new nearness to God. Number two, if you want to get more out of a revival, not only should there be a renewed closeness to the Father, but there needs to be a renewed commitment to the faith. Now watch this, verse 23. It says, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. In other words, what I'm saying to you, what the scripture says to you, is God's going to do his part. He will be faithful to do what he promised. The question is, will you do your part? And one of your parts is right here. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. That's a renewed commitment to our faith. A renewed commitment to our faith. You know, one of the things I love about revival is that it's a time where we can make a statement that no matter who else drops out of the race, we're going to persevere. We're going to be steadfast. We're going to finish the course. And here's why that's important, folks. God is not looking for fair-weather fans. Y'all out there? Do you remember Peter? He was always so presumptuous, wasn't he? So quick to speak. Foot and mouth disease. Peter told the Lord, said, Lord, I'm going to love you, whatever. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'll never deny you. I'd die for you, Jesus. Peter made a boast that he could not fulfill. It wasn't that he was insincere. It was that his commitment level was not deep enough to survive the onslaught of what he was about to experience. Peter was passionate. Don't you love that? Peter was, Peter was emotional. Don't you love that? But let me tell you something. You need to know, folks, that God needs something deeper than just passions and emotions. He needs a commitment, a deep level of commitment to the faith. You need to know that we're in a race, folks. Now hear me. We are in a race. There is a beginning point and there is a finishing line. And the winner is not so much the one who finishes first. The winner is just the one who finishes, period. And that's what Hebrews 12.1 is trying to say to us. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run. 
Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The writer of Hebrews is basically talking about a lot of winners and victors that are setting up in the grandstands who have finished the race. They have made it and they are there to be a source of encouragement to us so that we'll keep on keeping on, stay committed to the task at hand, win the battle and finish our race. I want us to have revival this week. I want to finish this race. I want to see God do some mighty things. You know, when I was in my prime, I would do these 100-mile races on a bicycle. Now, I know you can't tell it by looking at me now. I'm not near as handsome, suave, and debonair as I used to be. Who said, oh, my gosh? And when I entered these 100-mile races, as a matter of fact, you know my story. I'm going to take my son on a fly-in drop camp caribou hunt for, for graduating from law school at OU. Uh, had the arrangements made. The guy said we need to come in good condition. Well, I was riding that bike doing those races, and I was pumped even more. And I told my secretary one day at church, I said, I can't wait till lunchtime gets here. I'm going to go out and get me a quick 20-mile bicycle ride. I liked a mile and a half finishing. Some of you know the story. I got hit from behind by a Ford pickup. I don't know how I got hit by a Ford. You can hear them things rattling a mile away. <laughs> got hit and had a traumatic brain injury, a torn vertebral artery that caused several strokes at the scene in the hospital, crushed my right cheekbone, tore my right ear off. If you need help, I can lend you my ear today if I'm boring you. Six breaks in my neck, two back breaks, two pelvic breaks, two ankle breaks. Had to revive me at the scene. Didn't think I'd make a trip to the hospital. And as I always tell folks, I'd like to tell you I survived it. I'd like to tell you because I'm tougher than Walmart beef jerky, but the real deal is I have an awesome Heavenly Father. Amen. But anyway, thank you. But anyway, uh, I'd do those races. And uh, I entered in to the Clydesdale category. I mean, I, you see the stocky, muscly, Clydesdale look on me, don't you? Amen, you're supposed to say amen. amen. <laughs> and... Uh, I'm just going to make a confession to you. This, this is so humbling. But I was not the fastest person there. I mean, you know, Clydesdales aren't quarter horses and thoroughbreds. And I wasn't the fastest person there. But I'll tell you what I did have. I had, ladies and gentlemen, stamina. Everybody say stamina. And I had the ability to endure. And I finished the races. And what I'm saying to you is that's what we need to get the most out of revival. Not a bunch of people who are going to be here for the fish fry. But are going to be here and run the course and allow God to do a work of revival in the midst of exciting Southeast Baptist Church. And so here's what 
you need if you want the most out of this revival. Number one, you need a renewed closeness to the Father. Number two, you need a renewed commitment to the faith. I mean, chiseled in stone, dyed in the wool. I'm going to be faithfully committed to the Lord in this revival. Everybody got that? Say, I do. The third thing you need is a renewed consideration if you want to get the most out of revival. Now, hear me. I'm going to quit meddling and start, I'm going to quit preaching and start meddling now. You need a renewed consideration of the fellowship. Now, I'm serious as I can be here. I think revival is something that we go into. And by the way, he says in the text here, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith and let us, cons- now watch this, and consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We're, we're talking here about a renewed consideration of the fellowship, provoking one another to love. Uh, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Are y'all following me? Did you know that there's a ministry in attendance? There is. When you attend church, number one, all your lost neighbors see you go to church every Sunday. So you're sharing a testimony and you're ministering to them the seriousness of your commitment to the Lord. There's a ministry in attendance. You're saying something to all of your lost neighbors about how important the Lord is. But not only that, there's a ministry in attendance because... Now hear me. This is where I'm making my point. Don't miss my point. You're not only being a witness to your neighbors, a ministry of attendance there, but when you come to church and you're faithful to the fellowship of the church, you're saying something to your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. You're saying that not only is the Lord important to you, with the church, each other. You're important to me, Bob, Debbie. You're important to me, Exciting Southeast Baptist Church. You're important to me. And so I do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And you know what? It's that coming and being here that is an encouragement to one another. You know what? I don't know of anything much more discouraging to come to an empty church. I don't know of anything much more discouraging than people showing up to a Celebrate Life Crusade. More discouraging than showing up to a Celebrate Life Crusade, having a big fish, hallelujah, a big fish fry just before we start. Everybody's at the Celebrate Life, start the Celebrate Life Crusade on Sunday night. Well, wasn't that fish fry wonderful? And then Monday night, the crowd starts dwindling. Tuesday night, it gets smaller. Wednesday night, robbed, embarrassed, saying, where did everybody go? Tell you something. When, when we're trying to have revival, you get more out of a revival when you see your fellow church member and church family member being faithful to it and support our too. You hear where I'm coming from? There's a ministry in attendance. You're encouraging each other. You're provoking one another to do good works and to love one another, to love the Lord, 
to celebrate and worship the Lord and to serve the Lord together. And then the third thing, and I'll move on, it's a ministry of attendance, not only because is it a witness to your neighbors that are watching you go to church every Sunday, not only is it an encouragement to your brothers and sisters in Christ that are sitting in the service every Sunday, because, and, and you're there, and they're there, and everybody's there, but it's also a, a, a ministry in, in that it blesses the Lord. Did you know in Acts chapter 13 it says that they blessed the Lord? You know what they were doing? Brother Dave, they gathered to worship. They didn't call it worship. They just, they just came there and blessed the Lord. <laughs> so there's a ministry in attendance. Y'all got me? And so here's why I'm saying that. I, I want you to know if you want to get more out of this revival, I, I think it's important that you consider, as the text said, one another. To provoke unto love. Don't let your neighbor down. Don't let that person you're sitting to this morning next to this morning down. Let's, are y'all listening? Say, I am. Let's be faithful this week to the Celebrate Life Crusade. I believe in doing so, we'll get much more out of it. And he says in the text here, to provoke one another to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We ought to come here and lift each other up, give each other hope, I mean, it, it's, sometimes the littlest things mean so much, don't they? The smallest I mean, it means so much to see that everybody else is being faithful to the crusade. It means so much when somebody gives you a little word of encouragement, just something to lift you up and build you. That can happen at church where everybody's gathered together and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. I'm reminded of a seminary professor and his wife who were on vacation in the mountains of Tennessee. Say, Tennessee. They'd gone into a little restaurant, and while they were in the restaurant, a fella came over to them and said, Well, who are you folks? And who said to the preacher that was there with his wife in that little restaurant, said, Who's your daddy? And the fella said, Oh, I've got a preacher story I need to tell you. And he began to tell him about the fact that he was born an illegitimate child. Always made fun. Considered a little bit less of a person than others as a little bit child. Had to live with all kinds of ridicule all of his life. And a new preacher had moved into town... And he tried to avoid him. He'd go to the church services, get there late, leave as soon as he could leave to get out before everybody else so he wouldn't have to confront people and especially avoid the preacher. But one day, the preacher caught him while he was on the way out the door. And the preacher said to him, Who are you? And who's your daddy? And he thought, Oh, boy. And the preacher said, Oh, wait. I know who you are. He said, you are the child of God. I can see the family resemblance. Go out and live out your inheritance. That fella told his preacher story to that preacher. After he told the story, he left. The restaurant and the preacher and his wife said, who was that guy that I was just talking to here? And, and the waitress said, oh, you don't know who that is? That's Ben Hooper, twice elected governor of Tennessee. You know, sometimes I wonder 
what would have happened to Ben Hooper if that preacher had not cared enough about him to say, oh, I see the resemblance. You look like a child of God. Go out and live your inheritance. You see, are you all out there? You see what a little provoking to love and encouragement can do. I'm telling you, folks, I love this church. I want Exciting Southeast to have a great revival this week. And I'm telling you, you'll get the most out of it if you'll renew your commitment, your closeness to the Father, renew your commitment to the faith, and and renew your consideration of the fellowship of the church. Let's be faithful to one another this week while we're faithful to the Lord and attending revival. Amen? And lastly, and I'll be through, and you can all say amen. It's what I thought. A renewed challenge for the future. It's all right there in the text. He says in the text, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but are you listening? Say, I am but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day approaching? I'll tell you what day. The return of the Lord Jesus. He's coming back. We don't have all the time in the world, you know, to have revivals and win the lost. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. People need the Lord. They need to get their lives right with God. You know, this li- things happen in this life. And, and we do things that we shouldn't have done. Or we live lives that we're ashamed that we lived. But let me tell you something, folks. You can drag around old grave clothes and smell like a corpse if you want to. I say, let's go get cleaned up and have revival. And see how God works. I know this, we're not going to see a lot of people saved until church members get right with the Lord and with each other. I need you to know today that God can make repairs in our lives if we will allow Him. I don't care what you've done, what mistakes you've made. I don't care how much your life is everything but a glorious testimony to the Lord. God can fix it all. That's what revival's about. And I believe he wants to do that work in your life. I believe he wants to do that work in this church. And I believe it happens when we have this fresh, new closeness to the Father, renewed commitment to the faith, a renewed consideration of the fellowship of the church, and a renewed concern or a renewed challenge for the future that we decide to start getting after it once again because we don't have that much time left. The Lord's coming is drawing near. That means for you to be ready, that you be personally born again, having turned from your sin, turned from your way to put your trust in the Lord and to make His way yours. If you're not a Christian today, could I challenge you to come this morning to a friendly pastor who loves to see souls saved, 
who will count it a privilege to introduce you to our blessed Savior. But I also want to say this message I realize is mostly for Christians today. It's about us getting the most out of revival. And I really think if you've taken stock in what I've shared here with you this morning, that as I give this invitation and time of response, it really requires of a lot of us to find our place on our knees at this altar on these front chairs, making some of these commitments and decisions so God can work revival in this church and in our lives. And by all means, if you're here today and you don't have a church home, and you want a place where you can experience renewal and revival and you can grow in the Lord and in your faith, maybe you ought to come here today and join by letter or by profession of faith or statement of faith today and come be a part. Are you listening? Say, I am. Of what God is about to do in exciting Southeast Baptist Church. So our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And the appeal is simply this. Come let Jesus cleanse you and forgive you. Come into your life. It'll be an experience that you'll never get over. And it will last you through eternity in heaven with Him. Come and be saved. Christians, would you lead the way? as we seek to get the most out of revival in these coming days by making this an altar of commitment, a place of prayer, a place of renewed walk with the Lord and closeness to the Lord in your own life. Just let the Lord have His way and lead the way for these that need to come for salvation or these that need to come and join the fellowship of this church. Pastor, I'm going to ask you to come forward. I ask that we stand to our feet. My brother Dave, bless his heart, is going to lead us in a time of invitation and response through song.